Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister says he wants to see a quick, peaceful solution as rail blockades continue. I understand how uh, worrisome this is for so many Canadians and difficult uh, for many people and families across the country. We're going to continue to focus on resolving this situation quickly and peacefully, and that's what we're going to do. Dwight Ball is stepping down as Premier of Newfoundland and Labrador. It's time for me to spend more time with my family and friends in Deer Lake to live a more private life. After three successful election campaigns that captured both a majority and minority government, I cannot ask my friends and family to follow me into another campaign. And senior Conservatives still have questions about Andrew Scheer's expenses. I think probably his assumption was that he would go out gently, but this all tells you that there's a lot of internal strife within the Conservative Party. It's Tuesday, February 18th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Mark. The Prime Minister is back in the House of Commons today after a week away, of course, and so much has happened already this year and in the past week. Uh, Yesterday, he was having meetings about how to resolve this issue with the blockades, and the government is saying, of course, that it doesn't want to step in and and remove people from the train tracks and highways and, and that sort of thing, that they want to negotiate a settlement. They're hoping to resolve this quickly. But is that possible? Is there is there a path here for the government, or is this going to be a very difficult road for Justin Trudeau? Uh, this has been, as you say, such a busy, even weekend. Uh, so much was going on on the weekend about this in an attempt to resolve it. It was Family Day weekend. Uh, Mark Miller marked that occasion by going down and spending nine hours in a meeting with the Mohawk chiefs in Kayendanaga. The Minister of Indigenous Crown Relations, Carolyn Bennett, is sitting in British Columbia waiting to talk to uh, the chiefs out there. I understand from what I was, uh, I understood yesterday from the government is that although the Prime Minister has formally requested that that the chiefs negotiate, they haven't yet. I think what we saw over the weekend, uh, I also learned an interesting number over the weekend too. There have been all, this was, I think there have been more since, but as of around noon yesterday, there had been 31 blockades Mm. in Canada in the past uh, 12 or 14 days. Um, Six of them remained, again, as of noon yesterday. There there was another one, I think, at the border uh, down in Thousand Islands. Yesterday afternoon, we saw. Um, Usually these things are getting resolved. The sticking point are the two... Uh, the big one in uh, near Belleville at Tyndanaga and one south of Montreal, and that's what's caused CN to stop the trains. What we did learn because of some leaked tape recordings um, from Mark Miller's meeting down in, in uh, Tyndanaga was that there is very close talks between the BC chiefs or the, the BC protesters and the ones near Belleville. And I think in the government's mind, that's where this is going to have to be resolved. I, they, they don't have the sense that anything's going to stop in Belleville and the trains are not going to run until things are solved at the epicenter. Right. Um, whether that's a matter of days, I don't know. Um, 
certainly the government is talking, maybe over-optimistically, that this has got to be resolved within days. But, um, you know, I think for frustrated rail travelers, for people who depend on the rails, it's the idea of dialogue is the word they keep using, and dialogue doesn't isn't normally associated with getting the trains running on time. Yeah, and I guess one of the challenges here for the government is uh, what is uh, what happens if it's not resolved in days? Then what other card do they have to play at that point? Because I think Justin Trudeau and others have already said they don't want to, to remove people. They don't want that to be the outcome here. So if they don't have uh, some alternative plan, if there isn't another scenario that they can bring into play in a few days if this isn't resolved, then what happens? Are they just still talking? Yeah, that's the that is the problem, and it, it's not that the government can order the police in. Um, the you know we still live in a country, as Justin Trudeau said somewhere last week, uh, where the, the government doesn't order the police what to do. Um, I asked yesterday how much conversation was going on between the police, the RCMP, and and they said quite a bit. Um, uh, the police are monitoring the situation everywhere, um, but that is the problem. Is is government is is in some way hamstrung on this one? They they can't actually order the police into doing anything, um, and I guess it's who snaps first is what it feels like right now. Yeah. Is um, is it going to be the frustrated non-indigenous Canadians? Or will it be the people standing up in protest? I, judging from the, the conversations I was having yesterday with people in government, the Prime Minister had a, an hour and a half long meeting with a lot of the senior ministers involved in this. Um, you know, name them Mark Garneau, Transport Minister, uh, Bill Blair, Public Safety Minister. Uh, the, the next step is to try to get some conversation going between British Columbia and the, the uh, Tyendinaga protesters. And we're going to hear Perry Belgard talk this morning as well. Right. Uh, he hasn't been saying a whole lot, the leader of the Assembly of First Nations. I don't know about his moral authority in this, whether he can order anyone. It doesn't seem like anybody can order anyone to do anything right now. How would you characterize this crisis in terms of the issues that Justin Trudeau has had to grapple with in his four plus years as prime minister? Because this is one uh, there are, there have been others, of course, and, and recent ones as well. Um, but this is one where. Uh, there's a level of disruption uh, to this, inconvenience to this, frustration, uh, urgency, immediacy that uh, that I don't think has been there for a lot of the others. No, I actually wrote about this in the paper this morning. She said, giving herself a yes, plug. I noticed that. <laughs> um, he's had three crises this uh, in early in the new year, which is unusual for a prime minister. Um, and if if you think first, there was the air crash in Tehran. Secondly, has been the outbreak of coronavirus, and third has been this series of blockades. The first two, the prime minister's got generally good reviews for handling them um, because he was all over the place, very busy, um, and uh, reassuring to Canadians. This third one, um, I, I recently learned that there is a difference between the words complicated and complex. Complicated is like the post office 
or a newspaper. Um, it may have many moving parts, but it's all in the same goal. Complex is a system in which some of the parts are moving in different directions. This one, unlike the first two, is a complex problem. It is a domestic problem. It is causing, although the first two did have definitely affected Canadians in, in larger or smaller numbers, this one is a homegrown problem in which the government is expected to not only be to take the blame for it, but also solve it. And that's what makes it, among many other things, very complex. And I think uh, you're not going to see Trudeau out every day in front of this one as he was in the other two, because I was told the uh, the potential for a prime minister to elevate the problem rather than de-escalate it. Uh, the other two crises, it was a matter of, con- of the prime minister putting his stamp on this to show that it was serious. In this case, the prime minister has got to say, stay back a bit to show that it's under control. So it's Hmm. very different kinds of crisis communications. I'm sure the experts are watching this right now, too. Um, We're still hearing in both that this is a pan-Canadian whole-of-government exercise, and I I think the ministers are very busy. Um, Also, the prime minister has been taking a lot of flack, and you're going to see it in question period today, too, for being out of the country. Right. uh, again, uh, we live in the 21st century. Prime ministers don't have to be in Ottawa to do their jobs, but I think that that will be a flashpoint today. All right, let's touch on a couple of other stories. Uh, Dwight Ball is stepping down as Premier of Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, which has obviously repercussions for politics in, in that province. But is there a national component to this story as well? Well, I think a long time ago, pre-crises, um, pre-multiple crises in Canada, <clears throat> we thought the first big thing of this new year was going to be a First Minister's Conference. As we've seen over the past year and a half, especially, or two years, the number of liberal-friendly premiers around the First Minister's table has declined. This is another one. Uh, there will still be a liberal government, but uh, Dwight Ball was one of the last three. The other two are in Nova Scotia and the Yukon. And other than that, uh, the Prime Minister has basically, you know, what McLean's magazine called the resistance around the table, too. So um, it is, as you say, a very domestic story there in in, uh, Newfoundland. But it also uh, will be reminded when the First Ministers do meet, which I think will be within the month, that the Prime Minister has fewer and fewer Mm -hmm. Liberal friends around the table. And finally, uh, there's still many questions about Andrew Scheer's expenses, and uh, there there are people who are, uh, even conservatives, who are raising these questions, and this is not the kind of story that the party wants, presumably, as they uh, continue to, to move towards the selection of a new leader. Yeah, Andrew Scheer has been, um, it, I think probably his assumption was that he would go out gently, but this all tells you that there's a lot of internal strife within the Conservative Party. This is the last election being revisited over and over and over again in in people's minds and what went wrong. I think the, the, the focus on Andrew Scheer shows that the party has not yet got over the bitter disappointment of losing the election. It's not yet solved its factional problems. 
and it really doesn't yet have an exciting leadership race. Uh, we're down to the last 10 days uh, in which uh, in which people can register officially to be candidates, and it's looking like this is very much um, a family squabble rather than a leadership race. Hmm. All right, Susan, great to have your comments on all of this. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. I understand how uh, worrisome this is for so many Canadians and difficult uh, for many people and families across the country. We're going to continue to focus on resolving this situation quickly and peacefully, and that's what we're going to do. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Derek Burney calls for the blockades to be cleared. Burney writes, A government that seems incapable of enforcing the rule of law or asserting the national interest has lost the will to govern. Dialogue is no prescription for those who refuse to listen because they believe themselves to be custodians of the only truth. They break the laws of the land with abandon certain that they will face no consequences. The government needs to restore public order, not through nebulous calls for dialogue, but through action. In the Montreal Gazette, Nathalie St-Pierre argues an end to the rail blockades is needed now. St-Pierre writes, Canadians support the right to peaceful protest, but at this time, one must seriously consider whether that right extends to blocking railways, highways, bridges, or public buildings for such a long period. The harm these blockades are causing is very real. Getting to a resolution demands the full attention of the Prime Minister and his Cabinet, as well as provincial governments. This is an all-of-Canada crisis, and it requires an all-of-Canada solution. At Policy Options, Jennifer Ditchburn considers what she calls the breathtaking hypocrisy of the howls for the rule of law. Ditchburn writes... Canadian law, when it comes to Indigenous communities, has been a slippery, oppressive thing throughout the country's history. Treaties are the law, but they are routinely violated. Laws were invented to erase Indigenous culture. Today, delving into those fundamental issues around land title and Canada's fundamental violations of the rule of law seems to exhaust the stamina of many Canadian political and thought leaders. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations, Perry Bellegarde, will meet with reporters at the National Press Theatre this morning, accompanied by other First Nations leaders, to discuss the blockades going on across the country. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on what to watch for. Mark, one of the big questions that people will be interested in hearing from National Chief Bellegarde is exactly where he stands as the nominal leader of the 634 First Nations faced with the spreading protests protests across the country and the situation with the Wet'suwet'en First Nation in northern British Columbia. The blockades which are causing such disruption across the country are purportedly in support of the Wet'suwet'en, but the situation is complicated, as most Canadians by now realize, by the fact that the protests are also over larger issues, including land claims in general, living conditions for Canada's Indigenous people, and climate change. And the other factor is that the majority of the Wet'suwet'en First Nation themselves have voted through their elected band councils in favour of the Coastal GasLink Pipeline project at the heart of this latest flare-up. But a group of hereditary chiefs from the, that First Nation disagree, and they are leading the opposition. So at the press conference today, we can expect an attempt to peel back the many layers of this issue. Perry Bellegarde last week said that one of the keys to resolving the whole issue is for the Wet'suwet'en themselves to come together and to try to determine a common position. 
There are reports of an historic all-clans meeting being planned for that First Nations territory sometime in the coming days. And there will be also questions on the larger issues which are fueling these protests. And Chief Bellegarde will also no doubt face questions about a possible backlash and anger among the general public and how Canadian politicians are going to be reacting faced with these ongoing disruptions. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will attend the Cabinet Committee on Operations to address the disruptions caused by blockades across the country. He will also be in question period today. In Ottawa, Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will appear before the House of Commons Standing Committee on International Trade to speak about the new trade deal between Canada, the United States and Mexico. And Health Minister Patty Haidu will meet with staff and volunteers at CFB Trenton. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, February the 18th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.